the Lord good? He's been good to me. How about you? Praise the name of the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. Shout unto him with a voice of triumph. Psalm 47, 1 says, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory to the Lord on high. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I was just looking at Allison back there talking. I said, where's Spencer? She's on the drums. I said, oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Man, I didn't know he could play the drums. I'm so glad all the way from Arkansas. We have to get a special drummer. I'll have to work late tonight. God bless you. I love your bandana. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I tell you, it's, uh, it's a different crowd tonight. You know, we got some that got classes. Uh, they arranged the schedule for the year that, uh, you know, normally Wednesday they, they, they arrange so that they have that day off, that night off, so they can be in church. And uh, some just couldn't be here. Some are gone because of work, could not be here tonight. They could not get off as they normally do for Wednesday. And we understand that. But many are also quarantining because they've been exposed. Some are quarantining just to quarantine. Amen. To make sure they don't catch anything before Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, they don't want anything to interfere with their family get together. Now, thank God that we're having it. Thank God for everybody getting together to give Thanksgiving to God and uh, for each other. Praise the Lord. But, uh, amen, we have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful that you're here. And those who are watching online, there are many who are online. I mean, you're out of town already. Uh, but God is not out of town. He's everywhere. And he's here right now. We have more than two or three. We're not going to have youth classes tonight. We're short on teachers as well. Uh, and uh, kids have been staying upstairs. That's all right. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I, wanna, uh, I want to just tell you, number one, we had a uh, funeral this afternoon. Uh, actually, this morning was the funeral, but this afternoon was the dinner for the family. I want to thank Sister Sue, Sister Valerie, my wife. Uh, we had an early day today, starting at 6.30. Amen. We've been going all day. And uh, really, uh, for those of you that could not uh, be a part of this funeral, those who wanted to be and uh, would have liked to have, uh, have maybe gone to the viewing, the funeral home only opened it to the family. Not to anyone else. It's positive what you might hear. And only 10 people. In fact, when we went to Jefferson Barracks Cemetery, uh, they were of the family, two people too many. And they asked them to leave, go back into the car. They were that strict. And so, uh, and it's a federal facility. We understand that. But the point is, is that you could not have participated if you wanted to. Amen. Um, and we're sorry, that's the way it is. I think it's a crying shame. I don't agree with it, but that's what it was. And so uh, we commended uh, uh, Brother Mike uh, into the hands of the Lord, his body to the ground, and his spirit and soul to God who gave him. And uh, we leave it at that. And keep praying for Connie and her family and, uh, and lift them up in prayer. Praise God. And uh, before I read my scripture, I have one last thing to tell you. We did not announce it, but we're really about a month away. On uh, January 2nd and 3rd, we're going to start out with a bang. Uh, I've been for several years now wanting to have Brother Tez Stewart. His name is Tez Faye. It's an Ethiopian name. Uh, his mom and dad, uh, uh, his, his mom is Ethiopian. 
the dad is, uh, is, uh, uh, is American, African-American. I've known him for many years. We did missions conferences back in the 80s together. There were tremendous career missionaries in Liberia, West Africa. And their children, who are now grown, sons, uh, they're in the ministry. And one of them is the North American Missions Director for Florida. And Brother Tesfaye Stewart is a, a evangelist par excellence. And a few years ago, since back, Sister, Sister Melissa remembers the time that we were at the same general conference. I believe it was in St. Louis, wasn't it? It was in St. Louis here. And he preached a 10-minute sermon. I'll tell you what. It was absolutely incredible. I still remember what he preached. And I, I made up my mind, we've got to have him here. But, and I tried to get him before, and it just didn't work out. But as I heard one of his messages again on Internet uh, at one of the churches in, in, in Louisiana, I said, my, I forgot about Brother Stu. We've got to have him. So I called him, and he got back to me. And he's going to be here for a three-day revival, three-service revival. That's on Saturday, January the 2nd. Hallelujah, on a Saturday night. And then January the 3rd, Sunday morning, Sunday night, we'll have three services all together. You don't want to miss it. I kid you not, I'm telling you, I don't care what you do. Hallelujah. Cancel the weddings. <laughs> Cancel the funerals. Amen. Don't die on that day, on that weekend. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't want you to plan anything special. Listen, you got to be in the house of God for those three services. Because if you aren't, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I kid you not. It is going to be an outstanding time. I can hardly wait. And we're going to have to pray and fast ahead of time. Now, when he gets here, we'll begin our fat, a 21-day fast. And uh, so it'll be a perfect time, to a uh, perfect way also to, uh, to start the new year. But honestly, beyond that, I really feel... That he's got a word of the Lord for us for the coming year. I really do. And so it wasn't just a whim. So, well, let's have Brother Stuart. No, I believe it's in the will of God. And so be in prayer about that and make every effort to, to come. And not only just you, bring somebody with you. Invite someone. Yes, we're going to have, hey, the COVID's going to be on the way down. And we're already going to have our vaccine and all that. We already got the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We haven't had any outbreaks here, really. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we pray that it stays that way. But uh, don't forget, January 2nd and 3rd, and that's just about a five weeks away. Five weeks. All right? And all you out there in, uh, on Facebook online land, hallelujah. Uh, mark it down on your calendars and uh, pray it fast about that. All right. Thank you for standing so long with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. The theme is thanksgiving. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Can you give me a little bit more monitor, Austin? I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. He's not saying don't drink too much wine. What he's saying is don't drink wine because when you drink it, it leads to excessive behavior, things that you normally wouldn't do, okay? How many know that when you take alcohol and, and drugs, it makes you do stuff that you normally wouldn't do if you were sober? Hallelujah. And so be not drunk with wine where an excess is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, capital S, 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So giving thanks always for all things. That's a pretty broad subject. Giving thanks to God for all things. Always. That means the good and the bad. How can I give thanks to God for the bad? Well, the thing is that those things that come your way that are bad, that you think are bad, really will turn to your good if your attitude is right. And that's why the scripture says, Romans 8, 28, for all things work to the good of them who are called according to God and called according to His purpose, who love God, who are called according to His purpose. So you love God and you're walking in the Spirit, no matter what happens to you, if God allows it, it's for your own good. God allowed it for a purpose. And we can have many, many biblical examples to that. But I want to maintain my focus on giving thanks always for all things. Our attitude should be an attitude of thanks. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, everybody say in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What's the will of God for my life? Well, the will of God, first of all, for your life is to give thanks to everything, for everything. Have an attitude of thanksgiving. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness, for your presence. Lord, bless these words. Bless, oh God, this lesson. Bless, oh Lord God, your people that receive it. And I pray that you'll multiply it. Let it grow fruit unto the glory of your name and to the praise of your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let the church say amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Amen. Notice it says, giving thanks to God for all things always, continually, continually. For this is the will of God concerning Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about uh, what the Bible has to say about thanksgiving what the Bible has to say about thanksgiving. There's many scriptures, both Old Testament and New, and I'll bring some Old Testament scriptures for you as well. I submitted to your attention two New Testament scriptures. But Leviticus 22, 29 says, And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. Now notice it doesn't say if you offer it. It says when you do. God expects us. Hallelujah to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. Why is it called a sacrifice? Well, a sacrifice of thanksgiving is a sacrifice where you don't feel like giving thanks. It's when you're not feeling like it, but you're submitting your will to it because you know that it pleases God. Hallelujah. You'll find that walking with God is not so much based on your feelings as it is based on your will. The truth is that as, as people born in the flesh into this world, we are used to operating according to our feelings. We come, go, do, act, plan for the future and so on. We do things based according to our 
feelings. And there's a problem with that because feelings go up and down. They're erratic. They're, uh, you're, you're, you're happy one day and depressed the next day. And, you know, and we, we seem to act based upon our feelings. But God wants us to base on our relationship with him, on our daily walk with him, not based on our feeling, but upon our will. It's knowing the will of God, the word of God, and then submitting our will to it and doing it, whether we feel like it or not. Well, let's face it. Sometimes we don't feel like coming to church. Huh? Oh, I'm too tired. I'm too sleepy. I'm too hungry. I'd rather go get a hamburger instead of come to church right now. Not forgetting, you could have eaten something earlier. Hallelujah. Maybe if you could have <laughs> rearranged you know, the schedule a little bit. That's why we call it fast foods. We got fast food joints. And you know, we have people that work some of the best fast food places like Chick-fil-A. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, you, you can get a grab to eat. I've done it. I've done it this morning. I ran out of the house with a cup of coffee. And we had so much to do. And, and after you know, about an hour working, Brother Nathan, I was hungry. And uh, I said, you know, I just had coffee and my stomach is churning. I run up there to Jack in the Box and got me one of their ultimate sandwiches, breakfast sandwiches. And it's just a, a real cheap sandwich, okay? It's, it's, it's like a little thin bun with one egg, a slice of cheese, and a thin slice of ham. And when a, a thin little container of milk, oh, my goodness, it set me good until fried chicken after the funeral. Hallelujah. But, you know, I did it on the run. I pulled through the drive-thru, zipping and coming and going. I had things to do. You know, that's what you do. Sometimes you got to do that. Hallelujah. But uh, the point is that, that we got to live by our will when we're serving God and not by our feelings. And we've got to prioritize our lives and, and, and subordinate our will to the priorities that God would have us to follow. And one of those things is, again, giving thanks to God whether we feel like it or not. That's one of those things that we are asked to do. And that's why in Leviticus 22, 29, the Old Testament, uh, when God is laying down statutes and ordinances whereby his people should live, and remember, we're talking about people who spent 450 years or so in slavery, and they had no identity, no nationality, no holidays, no uh, uh, real customs of their own. And when God brought them out of Egypt, he gave them everything. New holidays, he laws, statutes, ordinances, judgments, and how to order their lives, and, and, and religious ordinances. And, and you know, those go into, into uh, the, the, the total uh, psyche of a people when, when you talk about a civilization and a culture. God created Judaism. God created the nation of Israel for himself. And he gave them laws. He gave them statutes. He gave them an identity. And when we're born again in the kingdom of God, he does the same thing for us. He gives us a new identity, and he, he wants us to remember that although we don't live under the Old Testament rules, the principle of the thing, of the kingdom, is still the same. And the principle is that he wants us to live according to his will, and our will yielded to his, and walking by the Spirit, not by our feelings. And so in Leviticus 22, 29, and when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, not when, or rather not if, but when. He said the same thing about prayer in the book of Matthew. When you pray, 
when you fast. Oh, hallelujah. It's not if. He expects us to do these things. And he expects you and I to offer thanksgiving to him. Praise the Lord. So when you gather around that meal and that table uh, this coming Thursday, make sure that you give God thanks for what you have. Make sure that you give God a prayer of thanksgiving and uh, submit your will to him. Gather your children around. Gather your relatives. Gather your friends and your guests, whoever you might have, and let them know that there's a God in heaven who made all this possible because of his bounty and his bountiful blessing upon us. We can have an enjoyable meal. Psalms 50 verse 14 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving. Now, that's a command. It's not a request. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. You know, uh, when when you live a life of thanksgiving uh, for uh, all things at all times, uh, when you are in trouble and trouble will come, and God assumes that challenges uh, will come in your life, uh, he's expecting you and I to call on him. Don't try to do it all by yourself. I think too often we try to do all the things on our own. We try to solve our problems, and it, 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 let's face it, we, we, we do have to take a certain amount of responsibility for the problems that, that come our way, especially when we're the cause of them. <laughs> but many times problems come against us of which we're not the authors. We're not the, we're not the ones that caused the problem. And in those situations, when they overwhelm us, God says, call on me. And if, you're, uh, if your attitude is right, then you'll say, thank you, Lord, for this problem. <laughs> then you can come and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this, but you know what? I don't like it. <laughs> but I need your help. And God says, I come alongside and watch this. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. That's also the natural uh, consequence, uh, an expected response that God expects us to follow. Hallelujah. Have an attitude of thanksgiving. When you run into trouble, call upon me. I will deliver you. And you know what? The response, glorify me. Testify about the other people. Tell people what God has done for you. Don't just keep it to yourself. Hallelujah. And use that in your daily walk with them. Look back on it and say, God, I thank you for what you've done for me. Lord, I thank you for uh, delivering me out of that mess. I just wouldn't have known how to take care of that, how to do that by myself, how to solve the, the details. Uh, but you did it, and I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 69, verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Notice that. We just heard a message this Sunday about magnification. It's what we magnify. It's bringing into focus. Remember that? Hallelujah. And we're in the same name and in the same spirit of things. Hallelujah. As they would say it in West Africa, you know, with the Pigeon English, the judge said this, as I'm really quoting, he goes, I'm going to go put my eye down, which means I'm going to go look at something. He said, I'm going to go put my eye down. And you have to do it this way. You have to touch the bottom eyelid of your eye and pull it down and say, I'm going to go put my eye down. Hallelujah. Pigeon English. I'm going to look at it. Praise the Lord. And so, I don't know how they read this in Pigeon English, but maybe they say, uh, I will praise the name of the Lord with a song, and I will go put my eye there with thanksgiving. I don't know. I will magnify him. Hallelujah. I will focus on him and ignore everything else. Praise God. 
Psalm 95, 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, Psalms 100, verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him. Hallelujah. And bless his name. Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. We sang that song. That song was nothing but a song right out of the Bible. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And then New Testament, uh, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, 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 by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Notice how God is concerned about us making sure that whatever need that we are praying about, that we include our prayers with lots of thanksgiving. Because I think a lot of times we get focused on that need, on that prayer, and I think that's one of the things that can sidetrack us, amen, uh, and, uh, and, and, and close out the magnificence and the greatness of God by focusing on that need. That's just the Melissa Soapa said, to the exclusion of God. Anybody got a penny? Hallelujah. Does anybody have one penny I can borrow? Hallelujah. This was not part of the plan. Come on here. It's raining pennies. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll give it back. That's a, that's a tiny little thing, isn't it? And, and you know, it, oh, thank you, Sister Linda. Thank you for, for trying. You throw like a girl. <laughs> that's because you are. Hallelujah. No, thank you for trying. No, really. A penny. That's, that's quite small. But, you know, Which is bigger, this or, or, or the sun? You know how big the sun is? It's huge. How many times or a thousand times bigger than the earth? Multitude. And we enjoy sun rays and whatnot. But do you know that if you take this little penny and you put it on your eyeball, it blocks out the sunlight no matter how big it is. And this is why the Bible says magnify the Lord. In other words, focus on him and not on the problem. A lot of times, uh, in fact, I think this was the uh, message, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. I'm mixing it up with something else. Making, making a, a mountain out of a mole. Yeah. Either one. It's the same difference. Hallelujah. Right? Am I right? It's not the same? Okay, tell me what's the difference. Yeah. Okay, molehill. Gotcha. You're right. You're right. The molehill. Okay, I said mole, not a molehill. Okay. We make, we, we make a mountain out of a molehill. Okay, there we go. Thank you. See? Hallelujah. Praise God. See what the wisdom of the ancients will do to help us? <laughs> 
Sister, I'm just quoting scripture. Hallelujah. The Bible calls us ancients. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I stand on the word of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I better keep my mouth closed. That's wisdom. <laughs> so here's, here's the little problem. And we look at God. We look at, you know, at the sun, how big that is. But sometimes we take that little problem, and yet it feels like it's a big problem. But we tend to focus on that instead of the greatness of God. And we allow the devil to, to, to get us to focus on this little thing, and we put around an eyeball to the exclusion of God and seeing his greatness. And many times the sunshine, his glory can't shine through because you've got this on your eye. That's all you're seeing. That's all you're seeing is this, is this penny. Amen. Can you catch it? <laughs> oh, look at that. Good one. Praise God. So it's, it's magnifying God rather than magnifying the problem. And this is what, what God is trying to get us to do. And, and when we give thanks unto the Lord, it gets us into the right attitude, the right frame of mind. Amen. To, to be thankful for everything that God allows into our lives. Even though we may not understand it, our feelings are contrary to that. And yet we must be yielded to his will. We yield our will to his and be thankful and grateful for allowing us to go through what he allowed. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I want to just briefly touch on the three attitudes that rob you of your gratitude. Three things that can rob you of your attitude of gratitude. One is pride. The other is a critical spirit and constant complaining. And the third is just careless living. Three things. When we talk about pride, it's, it's where you say to yourself, well, you know, nobody ever gave me anything and I, I worked hard for everything I have. I worked hard. It's what I have. It's all about self and self-will. And when you focus on yourself all the time, you know, your, you know, your, 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 your pride is showing. I did all this. That's the system. Melissa touched on us in, in, in yet as well uh, on, in her message that whatever talent we have, what, that whatever success we have, it comes from the Lord, that God is our source. And the, and the Scripture validates that. That it is God who gives us power to get wealth. That's scripture. Wealth, money, richness, hallelujah. Talent is given by God. The power to get wealth comes from God. Success comes by our diligence. Yes, persistence, discipline, consistency. Diligence is all us, but God rewards diligence. You have to understand that there is it's one thing to, to be diligent on your part, but it's another thing for God to bless it. And too often we are diligent, we do the right thing, we're persistent, we're disciplined, we're consistent, and then we get the feeling that it's all us. Well, wait a minute. If God didn't bless you, then all you would have is just persistence, discipline, and consistency. But God is the source and our blesser. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and we have to be careful uh, not to be so self-willed and so full of pride that we exclude God. And that was, as you know, the sin of Sodom. The Bible calls it from the prophet, pride, abundance of bread, and idleness. 
pride, abundance of bread, and idleness. Those are the three sins of Sodom that led to their immorality and immoral behavior. And pride is one of those things that can rob you of gratitude. The second thing that can rob you of gratitude is being critical, constantly complaining, constantly criticizing. It robs you of your joy and gratitude. And really, it, it, it robs the joy and gratitude of people around you. Uh, I refer to it uh, as an Eeyore spirit. And, and uh, some of you know, hallelujah, that's one of, one of my favorite characters in some respects. Uh, our, when our kids were growing up, uh, I can't tell you how many times we watched Winnie the Pooh. And his many adventures. I mean, his many movies of, of Winnie the Pooh. But Winnie the Pooh's many adventures. And I, I can tell you, I can quote lines from it. And all the characters are fantastic. If you've never seen any Winnie the Pooh, it's fabulous. Uh, and when you know the story behind it, even how that, that, uh, that cartoon came about from a World War I uh, a veteran from Britain. He had PTSD, and he was a, a successful writer uh, before he went to war. And he came back, and, and he, just, he just couldn't write anymore. He couldn't be a playwright. He couldn't enjoy the, uh, the, the frivolity of, of, of high society life because he lost so many friends and he's seen so many gruesome uh, battles uh, that, that he just could not enjoy himself as he's still experiencing the flashes of, of, of bombs going off and mustard gas and people dying before him, uh, uh, choking to death on, on, on that poison. And, and he just, just couldn't do it. He finally, in fact, had to move out of London and somebody gave him a place where he could stay at so-called 100 acres of a forest. That's where the 100-acre wood comes from, from Winnie the Pooh. And then he still could not write. He's there for like two years. He tried, and every time he tried to write something, it just wouldn't flow. And he didn't really have a good relationship with his son. He was married, and then he had that little boy, and he was still estranged from him. He just couldn't handle the demands of life. And, uh, and, and, and finally, uh, the, the, the nanny was not able to, to watch him, and his wife, uh, left him and went back to London and said, you know what, when you got yourself figured out, call me. When you start writing again, but I'm not going to sit around here, watch you moping around, just do nothing. And I'm going to leave the son and the, the, and the nanny here too. Well, the nanny was a very good woman. Uh, she had a, a death in the family and she had to leave. And all of a sudden, this, raw, uh, this author, A.A. Milne, was left to himself with his young son. And he had to, had to socialize and relate to him. And the next several days and then the weeks that unfolded helped this man to dissolve the pressures and the challenges of PTSD. And when he began to focus on his child and look at him and the things that he was doing, how he enjoyed his surroundings, he began to watch and write about his son, Christopher. And the story becomes great. In fact, he wrote a book about that. He got an artist and put a great book. He became a worldwide bestseller. And of course, we see Winnie the Pooh's many adventures. So it's just to you, maybe just a cartoon, but the story behind it is incredible. Having said that, it has characters of certain uh, animals and certain people that also match with certain people. Uh, and one is Eeyore. It's, it's this, this donkey that is, uh, that is very uh, depressed all the time. You know, nothing can make him happy. He's a constant complainer, okay? And uh, it, we call it the Eeyore spirit. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's snowing and it's freezing out all the time. And it says, we have, you know, well, you can say, 
it's snowing and freezing, but yeah, it is, but we haven't had an earthquake yet. You know, that kind of, it's always looking for the worst. They come up to him and say, good morning, Eeyore. Christopher Romer says, well, if it is a good morning, which I doubt, you know, I mean, it's these, 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 these things constantly come out of his mouth. Uh, that's Eeyore. That's Eeyore's spirit. And some people are like that. And what happens is not only does it rob you of your own gratitude, but it, it, it dumps on the good attitude of people around you. I mean, who likes to be around somebody with an Eeyore spirit? You know, I mean, when you come, hey, can I tell you what God did for me? I say, oh, really? God didn't do that for me. They say, oh, my goodness. He just threw a bucket of water on you. You know, you have joy in your heart and, and thanksgiving to God, and you express it, and somebody just comes and says, yeah, but what about me? And so, so when, when, when you're trying to, to, uh, to spread good feelings and, uh, and joy and gratitude, when somebody with your spirit comes, you know, and, and, uh, and, and expresses their criticism and their complaints, it robs them of their joy. And so this critical spirit and complaining is one of the things that can stop gratitude. So be careful of your criticisms this coming Thanksgiving. Be careful what kind of an attitude you allow into your home from the media and what they say about God and what they say about the country, what they say about Thanksgiving. Here you are trying to have a celebration and be uh, grateful and thankful to God, and then other people come and dump on you and say, well, that's not really the way it is. There's so many. Well, you might have a great meal, but millions are starving. Yep. Jesus said you'll have the poor and the hungry with you always. But for now, you know, as you're walking with God, the Bible says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And the key is being in right standing with God, being righteous. Amen. And if we could get people in right standing with God, they would have access to the same blessings of heaven as you and I and everybody else does. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say glory. glory. <laughs> Praise God. And last but not least in the third attitude is careless living. When, when you just take things for granted. In other words, you're not aware and you're not taking stock of the good things that come your way and you don't express gratitude. No appreciation. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's no gratitude. Uh, you know, with Israel in the, in, the, in the wilderness when God has given a manna for bread and after a while the, the novelty of it wore off and they said, oh man, this lousy manna. And God heard it. I mean, no, they just, all we have is this manna. They were missing, they, see, they were looking at what they didn't have, not what they had. Their flesh, their feelings, their, their senses, their taste wanted some of that good, ah, fresh bread coming out of the oven from Egypt, you know. And all they had was this coriander seed type that they had to collect and use that as a bread substitute. But it kept them alive for 40 years years. And the day or the week after they entered the promised land, the manna stopped. It was divine provision for 40 years for one and a half to two and a half million people. 
And God expects them to have a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude. But their careless living, their ingratitude, their, their taking things for granted caused them to make God angry with them. Uh, we have to be careful as Americans not to complain when we're living better than anybody else on the face of the earth. Even the poorest among us. And if you, you may think that you, you have it worse, but if you've not traveled outside the United States, you really can't say that. Most of the people that say that they have it really bad are the ones who haven't traveled outside of the country. Most people who really think that they have it bad, they may, they may have it bad. Amen. We've had it bad. I've had it bad. Grew up at home with my brother and my mom, you know, dysfunctional family. We live from place to place, moving from one apartment to another. Our electricity turned off in wintertime and having nothing to eat but cold Hard biscuits that my mom get from the chicken place that she was a manager of. And all you had was biscuits. We made it. Had my tooth pulled and woke up next morning because no electricity, no heat in the place. Uh, you know, woke up with, with icicles on my pillow from, the, from my mouth and everything else, from the surgeon from the day before, frozen on my pillow. But here I am. But even at that, I had it better than anybody else on the face of the earth. You just don't understand how many hours a day people in the rest of the world, particularly in the third world, go from place to place just to find food or work enough to survive for the day. Just to survive for the day. See, you, you know where your next meal is coming from, basically. You and I all do. We got to be thankful for what we have. Or oh, you can always think about things that you, you could use that you would want. But you see, we must not be so, so, how should I say, so careless in our attention and so ungrateful to think about all the stuff that we don't have. Well, I don't have a house. I don't have a bigger house. I don't have a bigger car, a newer car, a nicer car. I don't have nicer clothes. I don't have this. I don't have that. Yeah, but look at what you do have and compare it to the rest of the people on the face of the earth. You've got a lot. You are rich. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. It's your attitude. Understand that your attitude changes everything. And yes, you may be suffering, but look what the Bible says, in everything. In it, when you're in it, give thanks. Ephesians 5, 20, give thanks always for all things. And we mentioned, uh, I think Sister, I don't know if it was Sister Melissa or Sister Shayla, listed the, uh, uh, the things that Paul went through. Uh, from 2 Corinthians 11, you know, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, cold, hungry, stoned, and all that. And yet, in Romans 8.18, he says, Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Whatever you're going through, God's allowing you to go through for various reasons, but to make you a better you is to work on your character. And your character to him is more important than your comfort. Hello? 
Our character is more important than our comfort because our character will result in us getting into heaven, but our comfort knows not so. In Luke chapter 15, the rich man ended up in hell while Lazarus, the sick man and a beggar whose wounds the dogs were licking outside the rich man's gate, Lazarus ended up in heaven sick and poor. But the rich man ended up in hell. It's not the comfort level that gets you into heaven. God is not so much concerned about our comfort or our wealth or how much we have. That's why he says in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God and your walk with God is not dependent upon how much food we have on our belly and how much money we got in our pockets and how much wealth we can accumulate, but what is our relationship with God? Are we righteous? Do we have a right standing with him? Because if we do have that, if we're righteous, we have access to the windows of heaven pouring out the blessings of God upon us, and the result is eternal life. That's the most important thing. Hallelujah. Coming quickly to my last three points, the three things we should learn about giving thanks. I want you to walk away with three things that you should know about thanksgiving. One is it should be expressed. Two, that your gratitude should be all-inclusive of everything that happens in your life. And thirdly, we have to understand that our attitude of thanksgiving can result in someone else's salvation. You should know that it should be expressed. God accepts it of us. In Luke chapter 17, we see the story of uh, uh, the lepers that were healed, and uh, only two came back and, and said thank you. They were so excited. They were so overjoyed. Jesus said, you're healed. Go thy way. You know, uh, your faith has made you whole. And he said, show yourself to the priests and uh, pay the, the, uh, and do the, the sacrifice that Moses required. And they took off, all ten of them. But two came back. I said, thank you, Lord. And Jesus said, well, where's, where's the rest? Weren't there 10 that were healed? And that is mentioned by Jesus. Why? Because a heart of thanksgiving is endearing to God. Do you know that God watches when we give and we receive and he watches our hearts? When you say thank you, Lord, he takes note. You endear yourself to the Lord when you say thank you. When your attitude is looking at not what you don't have, but all that you do have, oh yeah, he knows you could have more. But is your character there? Hallelujah. So when he works on your character for a while, love the other habits of your life, when he molds you and shapes you and he gets you to the place he wants you to be, there's, there's more things that will come. Hallelujah. But are you thankful for what you do have? God wants us to express it. Amen. Romans 1.21 tells us that one of the reasons the entire world fell into sin uh, and, and fell away from God and to idolatry is that when they knew God, verse, uh, that's just uh, Romans 1.21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. An ungrateful heart and ingratitude is one of the first steps to sliding away from God and from a knowledge of God. 
You know why America is in such a mess that it is right now? Because there are so many who are ungrateful. They talk about what they don't have and not what they do have. And they certainly aren't thanking God. And when you're walking away from that, your heart becomes foolish and dark. And your thinking becomes dark. And you talk like it, you act like it, and you relate to other people like it. Out of darkness, not out of light. And it has not a very good ending. But people who are ungrateful to God will soon fall away. I'm talking about people of God. That's why it's, you know, it needs to be a part of our regimen of daily behavior. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's interesting because the gladness basically has to do with feelings while rejoicing has to do with an act of our will. It's action. And what the Bible is, is submitting to you and I, that action precedes feelings. We should not be, be going by our feelings because our feelings will not produce the action that God is pleased with. So that's why uh, the psalmist knew this. And by the inspiration of the Spirit, he says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Every day you ought to be waking up like David did. Hallelujah. And say, this is the day the Lord has made. And I made up my mind that I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be grateful for what I have. I'm going to give God praise. And when you do that, then gladness comes afterwards. The feelings come afterwards. Hallelujah. It must be expressed. Because if it's not, then the heart becomes hardened and your pride will keep you from worshiping God. And the second thing that, again, on giving thanks is your gratitude should be all-inclusive. The blessings of life, the burdens of life, remember, in everything you think. So the blessings, the burdens, the problems, all of that ought to be brought to God and ought to be expressed in our thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for this problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many times do you say that? Uh, it, it takes intentionality to get yourself into that mindset. And really, Christians have a problem with that. Because we tend to go by feelings first. We don't want to give thanks, God, for our problems. It's just contrary to our flesh. But we've got to conquer that. We've got to conquer that. We've got to put ourselves in this mindset. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I don't care what comes my way. I made up my mind. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to praise Him. Amen. Praise God. And then, of course, the third thing I mentioned is that it can result in somebody else's salvation. Um, your attitude is, is an expression of your faith, and this is what is so evident in Acts chapter 16, as you know, when Paul and Silas were in the prison at uh, Philippi, and, and uh, their hands and feet were in stocks, and, and they were already beaten. And I don't know if they had mudded backs or not. I don't know. All I know is that they were beaten. And, you know, when you get beat up, you're hurt. And they were in a midnight hour, and their attitude was, I'm not going to, to do what my flesh feels like. You know what? You know when you're beat up and you're rejected and you're criticized and you're thrown in stock, you're treated like a common criminal when all you did was good? 
you feel injustice has been committed against you. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was preach Christ and Him crucified. And here I am in jail for no criminal activity. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't speak against the king or the, or, the, or the emperor of Rome. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't steal. I didn't kill. I didn't violate the law in any form. But here I am. And the attitude was, you know what? We're going to praise God. My feelings is not that I want to do it, but I want to do it because that's what Christians do. We're going to give thanks in all things. So you see, when Paul wrote that to the Thessalonians, he was speaking from experience. In everything, give thanks. He was in prison. He was in stocks. He was in pain. And yet, he wasn't acting on his, on his own feelings. He was going by the Word of God. In everything, give thanks. Give praise unto God. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good. And that's what they did. And because they did that, you know the story. The midnight hour, they began to sing songs of praise. And then God sends a strong earthquakes. All the doors open in a prison house. The, prison, the Philippian jailer jumps in. He's ready to kill himself because he thinks that all the prisoners left and escaped. And uh, Paul said, hey, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. Don't do yourself any harm. And the result is that the jailer and his whole household repented of their sins. They were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. We assume that the Bible doesn't say they were filled with the Holy Ghost, but that they, this household was saved. And we know that, that, that the Bible says that Peter preached the, Peter, Paul preached the word to them. And whenever Paul preached the word, he, he didn't leave out anything. He's the one that defined the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what, that, that's what he preached to them. Because the next step, the Bible says that the Philippian jailer was baptized in his, all his house. You think they didn't get the Holy Ghost? Oh, I don't doubt that they got it. Not for a moment. Hallelujah. Because that was part of the gospel message. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's the benefits of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. When we give thanks unto the Lord, it pleases Him. It's the mark of mature Christianity. You know, you realize children, when they're small, they're very unthankful. Huh? You notice that? You can do everything and anything for them. Right, parents? You feed them, you get them candy, you get them presents. Oh, my goodness, you know, birthdays, Christmases, you know, Easter's even, get them chocolate, get them candy, get them all the clothes. And you know what? They put it on, they go on, and they don't even say thank you. They don't. Why? Because we're born selfish. We're born self-centered. Hallelujah. And when we get older, we don't change unless we get some sort of maturity. And same thing with Christians. Christians, when they're born again, hallelujah, they're still self-centered. And Christ expects us to grow to maturity where we take our eyes off of ourselves and look at the kingdom and look at the king and give God thanks for what we do have. So when we grow up, we know how important a thank you card is, right? We know how important it is on the job, employers, and whatever, to express thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your work. 
Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for what you have done, as we have done last Sunday, for all of our kingdom workers. Hallelujah. Kingdom builders. Thank you for all that you have done. We, we need to do that. And as adults, we know how important that is, but children don't. And the same thing in the, in, in the Christian realm, the spiritual sense. Mature Christians will know how important it is to continue to give thanks to God and thanks to each other and for each other. Hallelujah. Come on up, praise team. We're going to sing it. Hallelujah. And so I just want to remind you that our thanksgiving is a mark of our maturity. You know, Jesus did it. How many times did he say, Last Supper, he took the bread, gave thanks. Even after his resurrection, the fish by the seaside, here come the apostles, fish on the fire. He feeds them, he gave thanks, says, eat. When he performed the miracle, the 5,000 and the 10,000, what he did, he took the bread first and he gave thanks. He didn't say, oh man, all we have is a loaf of bread. All we got is, you know, two fish and five loaves. Or two fish and or two loaves and five fish. He said he didn't look at the limitation. But he's like, give thanks for what we have. You see the pattern here? Christ mature in his faith. Be thankful for what you have. And when you're thankful, God will multiply that because he knows that you'll be thankful. As a parent, aren't you more likely to repeat the act of giving gifts to your children if they're thankful? Oh, they really like that. Oh, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you. Does that make you want to do it more? That's the way God is. So this year and this Thanksgiving, make sure that thanks and gratitude is at the center of your table during the Thanksgiving dinner. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands right now and just thank God? Would you thank God for all that you have? Thank God for your freedom. Thank God for your liberty. Thank God for what you have. Thank God for what you don't have. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He is so good to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your manifold blessings. Oh, God, we praise you and magnify you and give you praise. Hallelujah. Sing, team.
How many has ever heard of a man called Rudyard Kipling? Let me see your hand. Okay, can anybody tell me what are some of the books that he wrote and the movies that uh, Sister Laura? Okay, wait a minute. Sister Jungle Book. Jungle Book is one written by Roger Kipling. What else did he write? Kim. That's right. Somebody else. Sister Melissa. Huh? Man would be king. Riki Tiki Tavi. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, Jungle Book. Uh, oh, there's there's a bunch of others. Um, in in the late 1800s, Roger Kipling was a British uh, uh, writer. He spent many years in India, and uh, he he wrote a lot about Indian life and, and characters and the jungle and so on. They were famous. He was really became a multimillionaire, really, in his books. And a newspaper reporter came to his residence in London after many years of success, and he's just out there relaxing, drinking tea and eating crumpets. I'm making that up. But anyway, the, the reporter came and read, and, and, and he said, you know, Mr. Coupling, uh, Coupling, Mr. Kipling, uh, we, we calculated all the money you earned and, uh, and, and, and all the, the, the books that you have written, we figure that you had actually earned about $100 per word. hundred, And back then, it was big money. And they said, wow, really? Oh, that's big money now, but okay, all right. It was even more back then. I mean, right now, you're talking about $100, probably about $1,000, okay? Yeah. And so... He said, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So the, the reporter takes out a $100 bill and hands it to Mr. Kipling. And he says, uh, Mr. Kipling, he says, give me a $100 word. And Kipling thinks for a minute, takes the $100 bill, and he says one word, thanks. Hey, when you give a thanks, hallelujah, you may not have $100 to put in the offering plate to honor God, but you know what? You can offer a $100 word and say, thank you, Lord. Thanks. Thanks. Praise God. All right. How you can pray. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, my God, for what you've done in this service. I pray, God, that this may resonate in our heart, oh God, that as we go, not just for a season, not just for a few days into Thanksgiving, but as a staple in our hearts to give you thanks as we breathe, as we do everything, oh God, be glorified and lifted up in all that we do. Bless your children, bless your people as we leave from this place until we meet again. Be glorified and lifted in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>